You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2021 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, again, we are so just we, we are so thankful for the word of truth. We're thankful for the opportunity to be here at camp meeting. We ask, Lord, now for the Holy Spirit to guide our minds in this last segment of, of today's class. And, oh, Father, we just thank you for sending the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, uh, to bear witness in our own hearts with your truth and to confirm these things to us that we may be able to share them with others. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right. Now, the approach of this particular lesson is to go from, uh, and I don't know if you've thought through this or not, uh, question number one says, what about God makes him worthy of our worship? Now, this is interesting because there are, you know, there are places in the Bible where God states things about himself, um, where we might have come up with something else. For example, in Isaiah 46, the Lord starts out by saying, I am God and there is no other I am God and there is none like me. And you could say, you know, what kind of things could you say about God that was not like anybody else? And we may come up with a list of things. But it's interesting to know what God comes up with. In Isaiah 46, he says, knowing the end from the beginning and declaring declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. Saying, all my counsel shall stand. I've got that wording messed up a little bit. But the idea is, in Isaiah 46, God says, this is what makes me God and there's no other. I can tell the future. Now, in Revelation 4, like, what's, what makes God worthy of our worship? Oh, there are lots of things we could bring up. But the reason the Bible brings up is that he's the creator. And that's what makes him worthy. He is the creator. So when we're talking about worship at the heart of it, from God's standpoint, this is why I should be worshipped, because I made you. Okay. So we start the Sabbath study. I start the Sabbath study that way because the Sabbath is about what? It's, it's not only about worship, it's about creation, right? Verse number two, or question number two, what three things did God do to finish his work at creation? He rested on the seventh day, and then he blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified. There's three things that happened there. And those don't happen anywhere else. There is no other day in Scripture that God blessed. You can challenge people. like Knock yourself out. You're not going to find it. There is no other day He blessed the seventh day. And so there's something unique. Even if you can't explain it, doesn't matter that God blessed this day and He didn't bless the other days in that fashion. And then, of course, He rested on it, and then He hallowed it. That means He set it aside for a holy purpose. So we know that in at the end of creation, God made the Sabbath. Uh, question number four, what else? I'm sorry, question number three, what, how does the fourth commandment begin? Remember the Sabbath day. What does that tell us about the Sabbath? Not only was it there before, but the Sabbath is a memorial. What's a memorial? A, a memorial is something to help you remember, right? Now, I love to do this with people because, you know, you have, there are people who honestly, sincerely believe the Sabbath came about at Sinai. Like God, that's where the Ten Commandments came from, 
from Moses on Sinai. Okay? So I like to ask people the question. I want to challenge you to do something. Are you up for the challenge? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to try real hard to remember something you never knew. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So why in the world would God be saying on Sinai, remember something they never knew? Obviously. It obviously tells us, number one, they knew it. It was there before. And that the Sabbath itself was designed to be something to help you remember. So in the commandment, remember the Sabbath day for in six days. The word for is because. Because in six days the Lord made this heaven and the earth. You know. So the, the, Sabbath can, the Sabbath is there to remind us what? That he's the creator. And why is God worthy of our worship according to Scripture? Because he's the creator, right? So you see the tie-in there. So the fourth commandment begins by saying, remember the Sabbath day, and remember, I'm your creator. So it's a memorial of creation, and that's what the note spells out. Number four, what else does the Sabbath point to? Ezekiel 20.12. He says, I am the God who sanctifies you. Now I want you to think about this with me for just a minute. In the commandment, God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What's the first problem we should have with that? <laughs> How can an unholy being keep anything holy? It's the whole sweet and bitter water out of the same fountain idea. It's the whole, you know, if you're if, you're, if your kid's coming from running out, playing in the mud, and you've got a, a, a white marble floor, and they come in and you're just like, hey, don't get any mud on the floor. No, no, no. And they, I gotta mean, you can take your shoes off. No, they come with muddy feet. Okay, you can't take your feet off. It would be foolish to expect that they're not gonna get mud on anything, right? When God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, does He know we're not holy beings? So, I want you to understand this. Inherent in the commandment itself is a promise that God will make us holy. Now think about it for a minute. What is the Sabbath about? It's reminding us of His creative power. Ezekiel, the one we're looking at, number four, remember, I'm the God who sanctifies you, who makes you, sets you apart as holy. Okay? The Sabbath is also a sign of that. How could we keep the Sabbath holy unless God makes us holy? Like the Sabbath is a sign of God's creative power. How does God make us holy? What kind of power does He use? His creative power, right? And so you see the tie-in to the Sabbath as that... Think about this for a minute. Take the Ten Commandments. Let me step back from the Ten Commandments. If I were to ask you what the most important thing is, for you to be saved. Like, uh, what, what can you do? What's the most important thing that you can do to be saved? Okay, accept Jesus as your Savior. Elaborate that on, on that, that a little bit. What does it mean to accept Him as your Savior? Have an ongoing relationship with Jesus. Does that sound reasonable? Now think about the Ten Commandments. If you go through all the commandments, which one of the commandments 
talks about having an ongoing relationship with Jesus. You've got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Okay? Second, those all have to do with the Lord. What's the Sabbath about? What is the Sabbath commandment about? It's about an ongoing relationship with Jesus. I mean, that's what the Sabbath commandment is about. Like, you're on a regular... What is keeping the Sabbath? What is worshiping God about? What is it? I mean, the whole idea of the Sabbath is, and incidentally, in the first commandment, it brings up God, but in the fourth commandment, it actually spells out that He is a creator. It gives the, 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 you know, the Lord God who created heaven and earth, tells us to take time away from work. And so, like the whole thing is about a relationship with God. Like that, that commandment is the one that explains how we keep all the other commandments, does it not? It's the only commandment that really spells out who the lawgiver is. You won't find it in the other ones. So, um, the Sabbath points to creation, obviously. It also points to God's recreative power in redemption. Now, number five. This is a fascinating one for a lot of Christians. It's an eye-opener. Uh, who does the Bible refer to as the creator? Well, God created everything, right? Who does the Bible say created everything? John chapter 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him there was nothing that was made that wasn't. Right? In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the Bible says in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. Who's it talking about? And we could go to Colossians 1 and find the same thing. Like, like Jesus is the creator. You know how many Christians don't, haven't thought about that? Jesus was born in Bethlehem, right? The idea of the pre-existence, it's not that some people don't realize that, but especially when you tie in to what we're talking about, if Jesus is the creator, who rested on the Sabbath? Who was it that made the Sabbath? As a memorial that they were the creator. It was Christ himself. Why in the world would Christ himself make a day to remind us he's a creator and then get rid of it? So the mindset in a lot of people is, well, Jesus came and did away with the Sabbath. Because they're not thinking about, well, wait a minute, Jesus made the Sabbath. He is the creator according to Scripture. So, who does the Bible refer to as creator? Jesus. And the Sabbath is pointing to Jesus. That's why the Bible calls the Sabbath the Lord's Day. You go to Revelation 1. Revelation 1 verse 10 is fascinating. I don't know how many of you have encountered this. Revelation 1.10 says, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And then the vision of Revelation. That's all he said. And the Christian world has said that Sunday. Like, where, what? <laughs> where do you get that from? It says the Lord's Day. It says the Lord's Day, and so it has to be... So if we go to Scripture and we say, okay, let's find out what the Lord's Day is, well, let's see. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, six days shall shall live, right? But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. 
Okay, so in the commandments, the seventh day, Sabbath is the Lord's day. Isaiah says in Isaiah 58, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, right? You go through Scripture, and the only day it's ever called the Lord's day is the Sabbath day. So how do you know, you come to a revelation, and it doesn't even say, and you're going to read into that, that's called eisegesis, by the way, when you read into Scripture, meaning that's not there. It's kind of interesting that um, the people do that. I just want you to be aware that you know, it's, it's the Lord's age. That's why Jesus called himself the Lord of the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2. And that's all in the note there, underneath number 5. Because he was creator. And the Sabbath was pointing to him as creator. And that's why it's the Lord's day. And that's why he's the Lord of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was made for man. Because Jesus made it for man. And what have you. So that kind of lays out a little bit of foundation. So number 6. How can we be sure which day is the Bible Sabbath? Some people ask that, as I said, honestly. Um, how do we know for sure? Uh, Luke 23, how many of you have been through this passage, Luke 23, where they're taking down the bodies off the cross? And, I mean, in Luke 23, you basically have Luke telling us that there was a day called the preparation. And on that day, Jesus died. And they took his body down from the cross, and his disciples went to begin embalming the body. But sundown came, I mean, it's people don't process things. And I, and I say people, I mean, I do the same thing. You, know, you ever know how, notice how there are certain things you just take for granted, take for granted, and sometimes somebody makes you look at it and you're like, um, wow, I didn't ever notice that. So you have the disciples of Christ after his after three and a half years with him, three and a half years of being with Jesus, day by day. And then he dies, and they're embalming his body. I've got people who say, well, normally I wouldn't work on the Sabbath, and some people referring to Sunday, like it's still like, but today's an emergency, I had to go to the grocery store. I had to get some dog food. I had to... Okay, if there's ever an emergency, it's embalming the body of Christ, right? You would think after three and a half years, if the Sabbath was intended to be changed, the disciples of Christ would have known about it. And what do they do? They leave the job undone. Because the Bible says they go to keep the Sabbath according to the commandments. I mean, you couldn't be plain. It's like, according to the commandments. There's no ambiguity there. Then they come back early on the first day of the week, and the Bible spells it out. Preparation day, take the body off the cross. Then the next day, they keep the Sabbath according to the commandment. And then the next day, early on the first day of the week, they come and he's risen. And at least for somebody with a, well, even beyond a Christian background, because even if you don't have a Christian background, it's commonly understood that the day Jesus died still is celebrated as good, Friday, and the day he rose as Easter Sunday. And the day in between, the Sabbath according to the commandment, is Saturday. And then you go to the dictionary. And then you go to languages. Old languages. Over a hundred languages have the day... You know, our seventh day is named after Saturn. Okay? 
Spanish, it's after the Sabbath. Russian, it's after the Sabbath. The French, it's after the Sabbath. I mean, all in French, Sunday is Sabbath. That's what it means. And in Russian, it's subota, I think. And sabado in Spanish, and they all mean Sabbath. Like, how did that happen? On And I mean, again, when you share these things with people, it's just... I love the fact that the Lord, you know, the Lord doesn't ask us to blindly believe anything. He gives evidence for our faith, and there's evidence, plenty of evidence. Faith is intelligence. And when you look at these things, and, and when you're sharing with somebody, you know, God wants them to have evidence, and there are clear evidences to say, yeah, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Okay, so we have, you know, creation, we have the establishment of the Sabbath, we have, we know which day it was. Then we get into the, the idea in the, in the processing, as people process it, they're like, okay, but do we need to keep it anymore? I see what you're saying. Yeah, it was there in the beginning. And yes, it was a reminder of creation. And it was in the Ten Commandments. And it was the seventh day for the Jews. You know, that was all good. But is it still important? Well, Number seven, did Jesus keep the Sabbath day? Now, Luke 4.16 is that passage where it says that Jesus, on the Sabbath day, went into the synagogue as was his custom. This is where he grew up, and it was his custom. What's a custom? It's something you do on a regular basis, right? Now, how many of you, of you have encountered, the, somebody says, yeah, but what Jesus kept the Sabbath because... He was a Jew, and he had to do what the Jews did because he, he, he was trying to please the Jews. Have you ever heard <laughs> like that? Yeah, that describes Jesus' life, doesn't it? He was always trying to please the Jews. But people will say that when it comes to the Sabbath. It's like, are, I'm sorry, are you talking about the same Jesus that we read about in the New Testament, that they were trying to kill him, throw him over the brow of the mountain, and all this? But that was Jesus' custom. But some people will say, what, Jesus had to do that because he had to come and fulfill the law perfectly himself? Okay, all right, fine. So, number eight, were the acts of Jesus a violation of the Sabbath commandment? And this is a funny one. How, how many of you have heard somebody say something like, well, you know, Jesus broke the Sabbath all the time. He healed people on the Sabbath. He did this on the Sabbath. And he got all Pharisees all mad. He, he, he was always breaking the Sabbath, and they were all mad at him. Have you ever heard that? Okay, was he breaking the Sabbath? Or was he breaking the Pharisees' Sabbath laws? Um, I, and this is why I love Matthew 12, 12. What does it say? Somebody read it. I mean, this is a fascinating verse. Matthew 12, 12. Okay, it is what? What does lawful mean? In harmony with not breaking the law, right? If Jesus was going to do away with the Sabbath commandment, who cares if it's law? <laughs> I mean, like people that, oh yeah, you're breaking the law. Yeah, I am. Because I'm doing away with that law. I mean, the point Jesus, so they're accusing him of breaking the law, and what is his response? No, I'm not. What I'm doing is lawful. It's in perfect harmony. All of his healings, all of his working on the Sabbath was lawful according to God's commandments. And Jesus came to demonstrate what it really looks like to keep the commandments, not man's way, but God's way. And so were the acts of Jesus a violation? No, Jesus lived in harmony with the commandments. He says in John 
uh, 15, verse 10, I believe, I have kept my Father's commandments. Right? Um, number nine, moving from Jesus, what about the apostles? Did the apostles keep the Sabbath day? Now, I'm not going to look through all these. Acts 17 uh, similarly says the apostle Paul, as his custom was. So again, a regular repeated act went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Um, Acts 16 is a great verse because in Acts 16 there was no synagogue. So for the person says, yeah, but there was a synagogue and they had to go, that's how the Jews... No, in Acts 16 there wasn't a synagogue. It was people, more than likely Gentile believers, or at least in part, who gathered by a riverside. And there it was, and again, it's customarily, you read it in the verse, it was their custom. So you find New Testament believers in Acts 17, Acts 16, uh, Acts 18, all worshiping on the Sabbath day. But to me, my favorite is number 10. Was there a new day set aside for Gentile believers? Now, I'm reading out of the New King James. You'll find um, NIV read differently, etc. Not a lot different, but I'll explain in a minute. But go to Acts 13. Now, this is just... I guess maybe, maybe it's because I'm a pastor, and, and I'll explain in a minute. But in Acts 13, you know, because people will say, well, yes, Jesus and the apostles kept the Saturday, Seventh-day Sabbath because they were Jews. And, and, and they went into the synagogue, and that's when the Jews were there. But that's not how it was for the Gentiles. Okay. Maybe that's true. Let's look at the Bible. What does the Bible say? Acts chapter 13. The Bible says, um, verse 13. Now, when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia, and they went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. And Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. So Paul launches into his sermon on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. Okay, are we on the same page so far? Now, what's interesting is when you come to the end of his sermon. I'm not going over his whole sermon. But you come to verse 42 and look what it says. So when the Jews went out... Now, the, the New King James says Jews and Gentiles. Newer translations won't say that. They say, and I forget, uh, it's escaping me off the top of my head, but it, it's, it's saying the same thing. I just want you to understand, it's, I don't know if it says the... Does anybody have a different translation with them? Besides King James and New King James? What's it say? Verse 42. Okay, so just keep in mind as I'm going through this, so this doesn't throw you sometime. It just says the people there. And if somebody wants to get around something, they may challenge you. But the original is saying the same thing. In the context, you get it. The people it's talking about in the context are the Gentiles, and you'll see that very clearly. Um, the New King James spells it out that way. It says the Gentiles begged. I love that word. They begged that these words might be preached to them when? The next Sabbath. Now, it doesn't matter, Gentiles or people. It doesn't matter. Somebody's begging to hear more. I'm a pastor, so maybe this is a pastor thing. If you're talking to me on Saturday 
in the synagogue. And you're begging me to hear more of what you just heard. And I have a service tomorrow morning, Sunday morning, for the Gentile believers. I'm not going to miss the opportunity to say, Oh, listen, you come tomorrow morning, and I'm going to be preaching more of the same. I'm not going to miss that opportunity, and I guarantee you the Apostle Paul wouldn't miss such an opportunity if indeed he had a first day service for anybody. But what does the Bible say? They begged, hey, next Sabbath. I'd be like, hey, next Sabbath, nothing. Tomorrow morning. I've done it. I do an evangelistic meeting where every day of the week somebody says, hey, would you have something on Wednesday night? Wednesday night? Come tomorrow night. Right? I mean, I'm just going to tell them when the next meeting is. They want to hear more. They beg to hear more. You'd be an idiot not to tell them, we got something tomorrow morning, if that were true. But what does it say? Verse 43, now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God on the next what? Sabbath. Almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. I mean, so Jesus kept the Sabbath. The apostles kept the Sabbath. Is there evidence in the scripture of a new day of worship in the New Testament? No. No. You have repeatedly, they worshiped on the Sabbath. And a study, of course, in history tells us where that change came about. So, Number 10, was there a new day set aside? No. Number 11, how does the Bible describe Christ's true followers in the last days? We looked at it at the end of the last study. They keep the commandments of God, right? Will the Sabbath be observed in the new earth? Isaiah 66. It says, from one new moon to another, which is how you reckon months according to Scripture, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall worship before me. Of course it will be. The Bible's clear it's going to be. So why would the Sabbath... You know, just logically speaking, Jesus kept it, the apostles kept it, we're going to keep it in a new earth. Why would we not be keeping it now? That wouldn't make sense. Number 13, let's look this one up. Does it really matter which day we keep? This is a big question that people will ask. Does it really matter as long as we worship God? How many of you heard somebody say something like this? And I'm not going to ask if you said it yourself, but perhaps you have. Um, I worship God every day. I worship God every day. Okay. So do I. But first of all, whatever day I choose to worship on doesn't make it the Sabbath. God makes something the Sabbath day, I don't. Secondly, the Bible says, Six days shalt thou labor. Now you're not, I hope you're not playing hooky all week. So in other words, there are days that are working days. So you can say, I worship God every day, but there's a day that should be dedicated to God. And there, whoever said, people who say, I'm doing that every day, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're working. Like the Sabbath is a day, and this is kind of lost on our culture today because, you know, you, you, much of, you know, Christians used to keep Sunday like the Bible Sabbath. It just was a different day. Now it's just, um, you have these billboards where God is allegedly pleading to come by his house before the big game. Have you ever seen those billboards? They're supposed to be from God. It's signed God. It's like, hey, stop by my house before the big game. Like, here's God. 
Um, Paul Washer's a Baptist preacher, and he made a point that I just thought was so excellent. He's like, you know, we sometimes we paint up God like he's some beggar on a street corner waiting for you to throw him a nickel. Like, this is God Almighty. He's not like, hey, could you eke out a little time for me maybe before the big game? No, this is God. And this is the way our culture is now. No, you're not worshiping God every day. There is a day that should be set aside to worship the Almighty. And incidentally, he already set one aside. And, 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 and just in that vein, it's like, well, you know, I just, I think as long as we love God, what matters is we worship one in seven. Have you heard that one? Okay, let's run with that. If I'm going to pick one in seven, wouldn't it be the best idea to pick the one God already picked? Because he's a better picker than me. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it just these things fall apart. Why is it that people balk on the Sabbath? Because it's inconvenient. That's what it comes down to. And this is why, and I would wanted to get into more, but we, we did what we could. You get into the whole Mark of the Beast issue. I mean, look, it's, it's not an accident that when you go to Exodus 16 with the manna, how does God test them? With the Sabbath, right? This isn't Exodus 20. The commandments haven't been proclaimed yet, and that somehow they know about the Sabbath. Okay, so it was already there. We already know that from the commandment. Remember the Sabbath day. But God specifically chooses the Sabbath, and then he says, Moses, that I may see whether they'll walk in my law or not. Like he uses it as a test. Why is the Sabbath such a good test? Because there's only one real reason to keep I mean, there are more reasons to keep it. But it's because God, like, why this day versus this day? Why is one day better than another day? Because God said this day. That's why. And so it's, it's pure obedience to the will of God. You know, I can reason out why I shouldn't shoot somebody in the head. But like, why this day versus this day? The reason is because God said it. And that's why at the end of time, this you can say all you want, but God is going to test humanity. Who is it, in the words of Isaiah, who trembles at my word? Who listens to my word? And it, it, that doesn't mean you're in fear of God. That just means you, re, you reverence his word. It's holy. Um, does it matter which day we keep? Mark 7. Somebody have that? 7 through 9? Who wants to read that for us? Nice and loud. And in vain they worship me, teaching and doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, and set up the tradition of men, to watch from pictures and cups, and many other and such things to do. He said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, because you must keep your tradition. Huh, what a fascinating passage. So what does he say in vain? What does in vain mean? Your worship is worth nothing if you're keeping the commandments of God in or commandments of men in place of the commandments of God. And then what's the last part say again? In vain that you worship me, and then it says uh, you have. Yeah, the last part there, and I'm, the wording is escaping me. Yes. You now listen to how the Lord says it. Now this was a different context. He was speaking about something else in the Jews day, but. You reject. Isn't that not what's happening? Like, look, God says this. Well, I don't think it's important. What's really happening? You're just flat out, I'm not going to do it. I'm rejecting the command. Why? Because this is the way we've always done it over here. So where's your loyalty? 
hold on just just a moment. Well, one of the challenges is. Go ahead. We have four minutes, so I'm just. Absolutely. That's right. It's obedience to God, and we're going to see. You know, faith is expressed in that obedience. Um, does it really matter to God which day we keep? Evidently, it does. Evidently, it does. And we could give there. You've heard illustrations on that. I mean, one day in seven. You know the stories. You know what about a uh, if so, what if uh, somebody gave you um, your grandfather gives you a watch. You know, and somebody's like, "Hey, here, you know, I'll give you another watch. I'll have that. I like that watch better." There's the Sabbath is tied to is tied to the Lord. Like there's a it's God's holy day. There's there's a connection there. It's significant. It's unique. Uh, You've heard, you know, a man with marries a woman with six sisters, right? You know, and one gets in the in the car after the wedding, and it's the sister, and it's not his wife, and it's like, yeah, one in seven, right? I mean. Obviously, those are ridiculous, but that's what we do. We like we play loose with the Sabbath that way. But the Sabbath is God's holy day, and it's a day. It's more than just a holy day. It's that day we have with Him, and that relationship with the Lord builds everything else in our Christian experience. And the Lord is very clear. The last question: How did Jesus ask us to express our love to Him? John fourteen fifteen: If you love me, keep my commandments. Um, it doesn't doesn't get plainer than that. Now, if you look at the difficult passages, they're they're pretty self-explanatory as you read through. I've tried to word them pretty plainly. Um, these are the main arguments we get. The Lord's Day, we talked about that. Uh, Romans fourteen five. One person esteems one day above another. Another person esteems every day alike. If you read the passage right off in Romans fourteen, people will say, "Hey, it says one man regards one day above another." Another man regards every day alike. Let each be convinced in his own mind. You're convinced about Saturday, I'm convinced about Sunday. First of all, it doesn't say anything about the Sabbath in the passage. It starts out where Paul says that he's talking about what he calls doubtful things. Are the commandments of God doubtful? Like, I'm not sure. No, these are things that people have different opinions on. I always use Christmas. I always use it. Some people are like, well, I don't think you should celebrate Christmas on December 25 because Jesus wasn't born on December 25. Well, there's no thus saith the Lord either way on that. That's a doubtful thing. You have one opinion, somebody else, but there's not a thus saith the Lord. But you have a thus saith the Lord on the commandments of God. So in Romans 14, Paul's talking about things in the, in the area of Christian liberty, and it's not talking about worship, and it's not talking, and in, in the part of the text I quoted, it says one person esteems a day. This is about a day of man esteems, not God. It doesn't say God esteems one day above another. It says one person thinks one day is more important than the other. And if, if I was the one who came up with the Sabbath and said, well, I think Saturday is it'd be one thing. But I didn't come up with it. God came up with it. So that, Romans 14 is not at all uh, addressing the Sabbath. It just isn't Paul's point. And you can read that in there, um, the explanation. Acts 20, verse 7, the disciples came together on the first uh, day of bread, uh, uh, first day of the week to break bread. And some people say there it was. They broke bread. It was a communion service. But if you read on in the book of Acts, it says in Acts 2.46, they broke bread every day. <laughs> so, okay, well that kind of doesn't work. 1 Corinthians 16, people will say, you know, Paul took up a collection early on the first day of the week. It means they met for worship. That's not, it doesn't say that at all. I mean, that, in fact, he says on the first day of the week, he didn't even take up the collection. He says lay aside on the first day of the week. 
So people get, you know, I've had people say, well, they took a collection up, they must have been a church. No, he says, lay aside so that when I come, you'll have it ready. Aren't you there on the first day of the week? If you, you know, no, he says, when I come. So anyway, uh, some of the passages people use, there's explanations here, you can read through it. The law nailed to the cross in Colossians, that's a more lengthy explanation, but I think it's pretty plain as you go through that. And I've had it. The calendar change, I love that one. Have you heard the calendar change one? Oh, the calendar's been changed. Are you aware that the calendar changes every four years? How many are aware of that? It's called leap year. How many of you heard of leap year? Every four, has it changed the weekly cycle? Changing, adding a day or taking away a day from the calendar doesn't change Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Hasn't ever done it. So yes, there have been calendar changes through history, but you know, none of these things, um, and it's helpful, it can be helpful to give people good answers and for you to know ways to answer. But at the end of the day, the carnal heart is a battle to get around the will of God. And at, and at the end of the day, we've got to decide which way we're going to go. Am I going to yield to God's will? The thus saith the Lord. The thus saith the Lord is always going to conflict with my will. At least part of it. You know, when we're born again, we receive a new nature. You're aware of that, right? But the Bible's very clear that we don't lose our old nature. And then the two battle. And the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Okay? And you experience that in your Christian life. That will go on because the carnal heart does not like the things in the Word of God. At the end of the day, we're going to decide which master to choose. And when it comes to the Sabbath, it's about loyalty to God and His law. And it tests uh, above all the commandments because the only real reason to keep it is because God said it. Does that make sense? Well, we're out of our time, and I appreciate you for being great students today. Hope to see you tomorrow. And we start at 2.15. <laughs> yeah. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Father, we do thank you for the Sabbath day, for setting aside, oh Lord, you know, we think we're so busy, and yet you, the God of the universe, set aside an entire 24-hour period in your schedule to spend with us. Oh Lord, help us to avail ourselves of that wonderful opportunity every week to spend time worshiping our God. We thank you for the Sabbath. We thank you for the Bible truth in this. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to know how to effectively help others to learn about the wonderful blessing of the Sabbath day. We ask and pray now for your continued guidance through this camp meeting. And I pray that you would bless each one who has come um, throughout this week, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be with them in a very special way. And I ask and pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio2021 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcast.